Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, that is one big head. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Third down and 10 for Rodgers. Running on options and then going down. And a flag comes down at the end there. That was Kevin Strong, the rookie. Now the UTSA was able to come down on Rodgers, but the flag came down with it. Illegal use of hands, hands to the face, defense, number 90. Here's third and four with Rodgers. Calmly retreating, looking for something. Flag is down as he throws to the end zone, incomplete. Illegal use of hands, hands to the face, defense, number 90. God. Mackie and Jeff with Rami, score north. Score North app, and uh, I don't know, a lot of people disappointed based on last night's game. If you tuned in like me, it's all about expectations, boys. If you tuned in like me last night and thought, you know what? I'm here for the ref show. I'm here for some great... That's what you turned it on for? I'm here That's for why you watch Monday Night Football? Power calls down the stretch. I'm there for Booger. <laughs> That's the only reason not tuned into Monday Night Football. Tessator and Booger. Jonathan Harrison pumping his fist. I'm so excited about that one. Thank you. Booger was on his A game last night, man. He was. People were skeptical that, oh, they're just bringing Booger into the booth alone from his little, what, what did they call that thing that he was in last year? Was like a movie. Yeah. 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 No, I was just going to go on the cheap. Huh? Booger's been great. Last night he was great. Fourth quarter and he was still, great. He still had some Booger moments. Like there was a third and 12 and he was like, you can give up 11, you can give up 12. No, no, you can't You can't give up 12 because it's just, just 11. It's third and 12. <laughs> you can give up 11. You were right. You couldn't stop there. You were right what there. What was the game? Was it three weeks back? He was just terrible. He when, really struggled. Was it the game where he was talking about how he liked the direction the Bengals were headed in? It might while, have been. While they were getting their brains Twitter kicked just in. absolutely lit up. But he was great. Yeah, like fourth quarter fair, last night, he roasted him. I said a couple good quarters this year. <laughs> hey, you know what? I said a couple good quarters. Good for hey, him. What do you want from the guy? His name is Booger, for God's sake. Good for him. He was fantastic last night. But, so, of course, it was like shooting fish in a barrel last night. It was uh, It was very easy to be an angry color commentator last night. So, uh, if you're fairly new to this show, uh, I think if you're even if you're new to this show, you know that we have Vikings Ventline on this station. right? Vikings Ventline has been a thing for going six, seven years now. Judd and I have been part of it for over a, a half decade now, and it's been a great show. And now it's six days a week. Vikings I hosted my first vent line on Sunday. Yeah, and, yep. and you took a bunch of uh, happy calls. Happy calls. Not a lot of venting on, on Sunday. No. <laughs> but uh, that's been a, a staple here at Score North, and even going back to 1500 ESPN, we then branched out into Packers vent line about four or five years ago, which is from the station that uh, you used to be at, Rami, the fan in Milwaukee, the that's Green right. and Gold postgame show. 
uh, courtesy of our friends at the fan. And then earlier this year, we thought, oh my God, after that week one game, we got to do Bears Vent Line. You did that because I, I, I'm part of the show now. I That's mean, why you decided to do it. Yeah, yeah, the Bears have had tough no, losses I, in the past. You never thought, hey, we should do a Bears Vent Line you know, until I don't agree. a Bears I, fan was sitting across from no, you. It's you a know pretty what? egotistical thought. Yeah, uh, I think it just became a natural thing. Because they, that was always, I thought it was natural. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I when, really didn't think that it was Rami specific. You're mm. having success with one brand. Yes. You know, Pepsi successful. Okay. What's the next flavor? Yeah. Can you, can you maybe do some uh, sparkling water over Coke. here? Right? And then one day you, you come out with Coke Zero. Well, and then you go back to Coke. Yeah. And you go back to, to regular <laughs> Coke, right? So, Diet Coke is doing some crazy things now. There's like, like orange Diet Coke, pomegranate. There's yeah. like pomegranate Diet Coke. I don't know. I don't drink that soda. It. Just skip to the alcohol version, Diet yeah. Coke. Okay, I'm skip there. Okay. Come on. But the only team in the division that we have not branched out into with our Vent Line brand for many a reason, the Detroit Lions, <laughs> the worst team in the history of the division. But usually, there's not enough to get worked up about. They're just they've just been bad for 50 years. Like They're resigned look. to their fate most of the time until or last night. Really? Last Un- night they thought they had something going yeah. until last night. <laughs> literally the most blatant steal of a game by the Rasta I have ever seen. The Lions won that game. They did everything they needed to to win the game. And the referees 100% are at fault. They gave the game to the Packers. There is no question about that. And if I were Martha Ford, I would... I would tell them that if they don't make changes, the Lions are not playing another game this season. That was pathetic, disgusting, and just there is no excuse for what happened. Welcome, Lions Vet Line, to the mix. I'm Mackie and Judd with Ronnie, courtesy of the ticket in Detroit. Had that guy been crying? He was out of breath. His voice was shaking. It was shaking. He was out of breath. It's like he'd been, been crying before. I've been I've been so angry I can't breathe. Really? Oh yeah. About a sporting event? Yeah, probably. Like, what's the last sporting event that had you that worked up? Where you're literally wheezing like into last, a phone. I, last Cardinals win. <laughs> the last St. Louis Cardinals win. He was that bad. I really hate the Cardinals. <laughs> you got your Melina. <laughs> I'm just angry. I'm pissed off because I get the officiating. But my thing is, number nine is still accountable for the loss. I, I don't care about the last two calls. It's like you said. How come Matthew Stafford can't complete throws when needs to be completed? And Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers is making throws for 25, 30, 40 yards of accuracy. Yeah, David, David. David, you, you're absolutely Aaron right. Ro- Real quick. Aaron Rodgers is, 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 is making the dagger throws, and Matthew Stafford is supposed to be this great tenure quarterback approaching 40,000 yards, and he can't even make a simple first down play, let alone a 30-yard deep play down the field. So David. you have to hold number nine accountable. <laughs> the guy trying to get a word in Edwise, by the way, Jeff Rieger, who will join us at 445 here on Mac and Judd with Rami. From WXYT in Detroit. Amazing. <laughs> uh, Lions, you guys want one more? Yeah. You guys want one more? Oh, yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. David, David, David. Hey, I just, I wanted to highlight one thing, and, and I think yeah, you go mentioned for it. it, but 
12 men on the field like, for a field goal is inexcusable. So I blame the Lions. I, I turned to my friends and I said, this is an SOL. This is the SOL moment of the entire season, not just the game, the entire season. 12 men on the field, turning point in the game. All of a sudden, the season looks grim and we might not make the playoffs. We're now in last place instead of being in first place. All because you can't put 11 guys on the field, which middle school football teams put 11 guys on the field for a field goal. It's just it, right as Patricia is making his mark as an elite coach, he makes a blunder <laughs> Wait, like what, that. What? I mean, that falls on him. Yes. Wait, what? No matter what. Wait, what? What? Did he say elite? That was a slow build. What? An elite coach? What did I just hear? Matt Patricia? Elite? I mean, hey, credit to Matt Patricia for not being a total train wreck out did of the PJ gate. PJ call him elite at some point? I mean... Can we ask PJ that question? Which Matt Patricia? Morally, Joe Flacco or yeah. Matt Patricia? Can I take none? <laughs> certainly can. That's Lions Vet Line, brought to you by Mackie so, and Jeb with Robert, courtesy of the ticket Whoa. in Detroit. So you, okay, so they got absolutely job last night. And we just played three clips of which one properly said, I'm mad. And the person clearly had been crying. And then, but then two of them, then two of them are so conditioned for the Lions to be the Lions that they blame the Lions. Yeah. And actually, that's a good segue. I need like just 60 seconds to rant oh, go about, ahead. I've done it. about you can't blame the officials guy. We always hear about. Well, and sometimes even like coaches, like coaches feel like they have to say it mostly because they don't want to get fined. Matt Patricia pretty much said that after last night's game. He wasn't. He didn't want to talk about the officials. It's like I think when coaches say it, I almost feel like like I'd rather hear what Matt Patricia thinks behind the scenes. So if you're a coach and you're talking publicly, you know it's pretty rare that they just tee off on the officials. But you can't blame the officials guy. Well, the Lions could have scored. They had well, how many field goals did they kick last night? Five field goals. You can't blame the officials. Turn one of those field goals into a touchdown. To which I say. Yes, you can blame the officials when it's as egregiously blatant as it was last night. In fact, I did some digging on this. Just like, am I way off on this? Like, can you blame officials for this? Or should you be able to handle games like that and blow the team out and step on their throats, right? All right? Get this. There's 14 games in the NFL this week. 14 for week seven coming up on the horizon here. 11 of them, according to Vegas, have spreads that are touchdown or closer. So Vegas is telling you, hey, this upcoming weekend, all these games except for like two of them are going to be pretty close, like within a touchdown at the end of the game. And so you're telling me if a referee goes bonkers with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter and alters what should have been a punt into a first down that's deep into the opposing team's territory that like, oh, you can't blame the officials. Why not? Why can't you blame the officials? Well, the Lions should have blown them out. Really? It's the Packers. It's Aaron Rodgers. Your only hope is to be close enough at the end of that game to have a chance to win. And right? you have a lead at the end of the game. On the road. On the road. But can we go big picture here and talk about what a complete joke the officiating system, like not just last night's game. By my count, and I might be wrong here, there were three games between Sunday and Monday that, that the major talking point post-game was not the teams, but the refs. Kansas City-Houston. Cleveland and Seattle, mm-hmm. and then that game. And so that's three high profile, or at least two high profile, really good. You know, you've got Mahomes and Watson, and we should be talking about that. Two of the great young quarterbacks. Oh my gosh, wasn't that incredible? 
and yet in three in three games. So to me, it's not just about last night. It's this overarching story that's become officiating weekly. Like if this was just a crew, if this was Cleet Blakeman's crew is was terrible. Okay, yeah, get it. Be mad. That's cool. That's fine. He should be fired. That's it. Right. But how often are we now talking about storylines being based on, and, and this starts to me much more so with the league than one crew, being about officiating and calls and what's a PI and what's not and reviews and all of this stuff. It's ruining the game. And it's every week. And it's constant flags, except when they don't th- throw them, which they don't throw them at times, it's obvious. I mean, the Packer defender last night raked the Lions guy who, who was about to catch the ball over the chest and his arm while the ball is traveling. Definition of a P.I. Any one of us would and have said... And had his back turned to the ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But everything about it was the definition. And they didn't throw a flag, and Patricia didn't challenge it because the the um, challenge statistics against guys trying to challenge a P.I. right now are so overwhelmingly one-sided that coaches have quit trying to do that so to me, this is an entire story about a, about probably the most successful league in this country, just butchering its officiating. And it's and, and I don't I think people are jumping to the conclusion that well the officials are just deteriorating and getting, getting worse. I don't know if that's the case. I think it's that we're all watching games on 4K picture quality with TCL, 80 cameras, 4K Roku TVs with 80 cameras pointed at them. Right. If if we're talking about 20 years ago, non HD. And everyone's got a 27-inch box zenith in their living room. Well, the officials are going to miss calls. It's just it's not quite as obvious. In fact, if you were to, I guarantee 20 years ago, if you're watching on like a 25-inch TV in your living room and it's standard definition and we don't have 80 cameras, maybe we have like four cameras or five cameras or whatever it is. Uh, maybe on a Monday night game, you still have a bunch of cameras. But would that have been as those those two hands-to-the-face penalties, would those have been as obviously wrong as they were last night, watching in our living rooms now in 2019, no. And so my criticism isn't as much, well, the officials are getting worse. It's the gap between what humans are capable of calling at live speed and what we get the benefit of seeing on TV is so wide now, and they don't have a solution for it. They don't have a solution for it. But they keep putting in more rules. And basically, so they they sit there in, in March, right? And they look at slow-mo re- replays on TCL TVs, and they're like, we should call that now. And then we should call that. And nobody's thinking, okay, that's great. That's fantastic. And at live speed, do these guys have any shot? Like, let's give them things to call that they can see with th- their eyes. And if if you want to change things from there, that's fine, too. But to expect this crew of people, and, and now there are some calls I don't get. Like the two last night on Flowers, I don't get. But there are other calls where a logical human being says, of course they didn't see that. Is, is there is there an easy solution here that... Actually, I saw Sam Munson, our friend from Pro Football Focus, tweet out. He said, hey, the NFL needs this. And it was a link to a Wikipedia page from, I don't know, some, he's from Ireland, right? It was just some like Irish rugby league. Mm-hmm. And they have... A video referee. That's what I was saying today. Not for, not necessarily for what the, what the uh, American sports use that referee for. But like, like, let's just say you have a video referee, and you can. It's a blank canvas. You can paint it however you want to. And I don't know. And you tell me what you said earlier today. But I think it's as simple as you just have sort of a guiding hand watching all the replays that we get to watch from our couches on TV. And if there's something that's just egregiously wrong, 
It's not a coach's responsibility to challenge it necessarily. It's just like that guy on, on anything. It could be holding. It could be anything. And that guy can just sort of buzz down in the middle of conversation between officials and say, hey, yeah, I, I know you're about to... What are you seeing? Because here's right. what I see. Because right now, the only recourse they have, if they're not sure about a call, is to all huddle up and go, hey, what did your human eyes see through 22 gigantic <laughs> men running at ridiculous speeds? Oh, I don't know. What did your eyes see through 22 gigantic men running at ridiculous speeds? It's not any more reliable than it is just the, the original call that they make. My idea was pretty much that. Fill the eye in the sky. Something that NFL owners produ- pr- proposed to the referees union in the offseason, and they shot it down. They shot that down, yeah. and it's exactly what you're talking about. Egregious and immediately noticeable errors on the parts of the referee can easily be fixed. There was there could have been somebody up in the booth last night who within seconds, as quickly as we saw it on Monday Night Football, if not quicker, I would think, due to the resources that they have in-house and being the NFL, the actual producers of the product, within seconds, a referee could have seen that both of those hands-to-the-face calls last night were missed and just buzzed the referee and said, hey, man, you missed that one. Referee turns on his microphone. No flag. There was no hands-to-the-face on the on the play. Picking up the flag, no penalty. Fourth down. It's that simple. It's done that quick. I'm not talking about stopping the game every time there's something a little bit questionable. That's not what I'm talking about. That's going to slow down the game way too much. I'm talking strictly about egregious mistakes that are immediately noticeable, like yesterday and like the NFC Championship game last year. Except it can't be these people. Because the <laughs> the what you said was fixed. The Saints-Rams game, right? Like all of us said, yeah, get this right. This is fantastic. They've actually it was probably ma- overcorrected. But the problem, the problem is, the people at the top of the food chain here are making it worse. They don't know what they're doing. They're out of control, and as far as I can tell, they're morons. So let's get people in who get this, Be- because right now, every time this league thinks that, that it's taking a step, more replay, better ideas, more rules. We end up having this discussion, and this is worse than last year, and last year was bad. So I think you got to go, and I'm not talking just the officiating crews, because some of those actually might be fine. I'm talking the top of the of this food chain, Riveron and all of those people, and wipe them out and go with people who have a clue. Because but who are those people? Keep like- in mind, you got to find them, and they got to be smart. And well, these guys, the and these like- guys, they, this is the same league. That right now, in, in reviewing PIs, will not overturn a call. But that being said, it's the same league that then, in week two, in that Vikings game, decided to call a Dalvin Cook pick that wasn't challenged. <laughs> They're out of control. You, you ask who those, player, who those people should be? Should it be former players who, were, who used to be on the field who know how to see, that, how to see the game action in live speed because they've played it? Should it be those guys who have retired from the I mean, game and don't have anything else to do? Yeah, I think two well, two parts to that, maybe. I don't I don't know. I mean referees are are watching it from their point of view professionally for a long time up the ranks too. Um I I keep going back to it's it's really easy to say, well the people in charge are just incompetent and so you have to get new people in. But I need to know what's behind door number two too because if, it, if we're going to make the mistake of just, well, like, literally put anyone in there and... Why would what they do? In? Well, let's start with the baseline. put Judd of, in there. That's <laughs> what I said today on I'd be happy five. to do you it. put Judd in there. I could do it. Okay, do you think you could do it better than the top officials in the world? Because my, my contention not is like, not that you're not, wrong, 
My contention is that those jobs are bleeping impossible at not last speed. Like a game official? Yes. Absolutely not. Impossible no, no, no. I want the job speed. to run them. I, I want to be I want to be in the National Football League offices, Park Avenue, Manhattan right now, dictating on game day and dictating what we're doing here. No, no, no. I'm not saying th- those people have been given an impossible job. They're being asked to see things they can't see. Yes. So it, that makes no sense. But but the problem is, and this is where I, I think it falls apart and where you've got a lot of incompetent people is, and they think they're smart is, they literally go to meetings in March. They sit in boardrooms in like Orlando or Palm Springs. They have TCL TVs like we do that are gorgeous. They then walk through and talk through plays, and they're like, we should penalize that. Well, that's cool. I can stop a play right now, and we can all be like, hell yeah, that's a penalty. And then I call Joe Bob up and say, Joe Bob, you got week one. This is a penalty now. See it live. That is the height of arrogance and incompetence. I mean, especially when you're talking to a guy named Joe Bob. Bob Joe, <laughs> he's not as good as Joe Bob. No, Bob Joe. Bobby, Joe? Jim Bobby, Bob? Bobby Joe. Oh, Jim, Jim Bob, he's doing soccer. Yeah. I don't think Jim Bob's doing soccer. Sounds like a soccer guy. Yeah. Jim Bob used to be the coach of the Giants, didn't he? Jim Bob, uh, Jim Bob Cooter was he the, was the uh, OC for the Lions. Yeah, yeah but like those, Gerald Bethel got the shot. <laughs> those two hands to the face penalties last night. Where I was a little bit annoyed by the reaction was so we we see the replay and I love that Booger just went all in on the officials. But we see the replay and the and the reaction is oh my god, how can you call that? Oh my god, like okay, but how many of us as that play was happening spotted that and said okay, like if somebody were to say live speed. From not a, not the perfect angle, but live speed is that hands to the face, and like the counter argument there could be, well, if you're not 100 percent sure, just don't throw the flag, which that's a problem. And you have too. to remember though, hands to the face, it's poorly titled because it also includes the neck, yeah. and his hands were on the shoulder pad. How far really is is where his hands were from David Bakhtiari's neck? An inch, yeah, inch and a half, perfect. two inches. And today, so I can give a pass to the live speed whiff on that call, yes. but we've got the technology in place for that not to be the final call. I mean, Jim Joyce 10 years ago had death threats because he missed a perfect game call at first base. And everyone in America knew it three seconds after the fact. And we didn't have a mechanism in place at the time to say, actually, you know what? Let's avoid the death threats. Let's just, let's just say you got it wrong on the spot. Right? So here we are. First thing though, that second call, the referee is looking at that. The umpire threw through the flag, it would have been very easy for the ref to say, I saw it, it's not. I'm picking up your flag. That's not a penalty. Sorry, Don't buddy. you think he would have said that, though? You're saying that no, another I'm saying, official on the field? I'm saying the, the referee is standing behind the quarterback. The um, umpire is on the defensive side. So he's got a bad view. So he's seeing, he's seeing Flowers' hands come up. The referee is seeing the, the same thing at a much better angle. And so he could have easily said, I'm picking up that flag. It's not. The second thing was on uh, Score North Live today, I simplified things by changing that rule completely, removing it and saying, if you grab a guy's face mask, that is a 15-yard face mask. But if your hands slip up to the neck or face, that's not a penalty. At first, you just wanted to eliminate the penalty altogether and let guys chop each other in the face and neck region. (laughs) No, I said, (laughs) but I'm saying that. If you grab a mask, that's a penalty. Otherwise, it's not. But I I agree. If if your hand slips up, you're fine. I agree with you, Phil, when you say we're, we're putting a little bit too much of this on the referees in terms of missing the calls on the field in live speed, because that's a really hard thing to do. Guys are going to whiff. It's a tough job. But 
again, they turned down the NFL's offer at having an eye in the sky official in the booth. And their reasoning was, or at least reports were, and it's the same thing, the same reason people speculate they're not overturning a lot of these PI calls is because they don't want to show up their fellow referee on the field. Two things about that. Get rid of your ego. First of all, if I'm the NFL, I don't care. I'm not paying you so you can leave the field leaving good about feeling good about yourself. I'm not paying you so that you could be prideful about about your your job of the day. But secondly, that way of thinking is so misguided because do NFL referees look good today? No. No, they don't look good Correct. today. At the end of the day, if one referee corrects another and the crew gets the call right and gets most of the calls right over the course of four quarters, we're all going to stand up and applaud NFL referees and officiating. We're not going to go, remember that guy who missed that call? No, we'll go, at the end of the day, they got it right. So great, cool. We don't care that you missed it at first. Yeah. We understand you missed it at first. Take the extra help of the eye in the sky and quit being so prideful, is what I would say to the NFL referees. Yeah. That's Rami. We are Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. And uh, there's a lot of meat on this, but we're actually going to have... We're going to get a perspective from Green Bay and a perspective from Detroit in the same segment later on. That's going to be fun. On, and then as Vikings people in this town, we can just sort of look at the back and forth and say, all right, what does that mean for, what does the officiating mess mean for this upcoming Sunday? Uh, Pete Najarian, when we come back to talk about the 6-0 and Golden Gophers. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is one of the sponsors of the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. And speaking of uh, of the Gophers, Gophers fans... You know, uh, maybe uh, maybe if you have a, a business out there and you have an insurance claim that's left you feeling like you've gotten sacked in the end zone, to use a bad football pun, uh, maybe you've felt the uh, aftermath of a bad insurance relationship before. Well, when something bad happens to the company that you built with your own blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business, that would be Federated Mutual Insurance Company, a Minnesota-based company going back to the early 1900s and a proud sponsor of University of Minnesota Athletics and Turnovers for Kids. In fact, for every forced turnover by the Gophers defense this year, Federated donates $1,000 to Big Brothers Big Sisters. So do two things. Uh, partner with Federated because they do a lot of charitable work, but also partner with Federated because they've got your back and give you peace of mind as a business owner. Federatedinsurance.com. Federated, it's our business to protect yours. The receiver, playing quarterback, direct snap, Rodney Smith. Touchdown, Minnesota. Yeah, that was one of a lot of touchdowns last weekend. As the Gophers moved to 6-0 and for the first time since 1949. And I just want to bring, let's bring in Pete Nigerian here, first of all. Pete Nigerian, former standout Gophers linebacker, NFL player. And uh, if you want to uh, increase your bank account, listen to his advice too. Just follow him on Twitter. So, Pete, do you mind if we read an email to you real quick here first? Oh, sure. Why not, Phil? You're the man. Okay, because we, um, I, I think this got sent to all of us sometime in the last 24 hours here to, uh, to score north. But, Somebody emailed us and basically said, I'm going to paraphrase this because I can't find the email. He basically said, you guys barely talk any gophers. This probably won't make the air because, you know, why would it? You guys just don't talk enough gophers. Um, and so we just want to clear the 
clear the room here for a second and say the Gophers are six and zero. Pete Najarian, this is the the best start that any of us have ever seen in the uh, lives of us as Gophers followers. What do you think of PJ Fleck and the start they're off to? Yeah, the modern era. It's a great. It, it, it's unbelievable. It's something that we talked about a little bit at the state fair earlier this week, this year, when the three of us sat down and, or four of us rather, sat down and we were talking about what what. What did it really look like? And I think what really stood out for me was, first of all, the scheduling was almost perfect. We don't have Michigan. We don't have Michigan State. We don't have Ohio State. And it all is backloaded. So I think it puts us in a great position to be where we are right now. And then if you look ahead, and you never should do too much of that, especially as far ahead as I'm going to look, but if you look at the next two games with Rutgers and Maryland, based upon what we've seen out of both those two teams so far, uh, it is not something that's too big of a stretch to say, hey, you know what? Going into Penn State, we got a really great potential to be an 8-0 football team. So, uh, But then all of a sudden things do change in a hurry because then the real meat of the schedule really starts to kick in with the next four games with Iowa and Penn State So and Wisconsin, obviously. So um, we don't really know what we've got right now, but I will tell you this. I think that it's a team that every single week has gotten a little bit better. I mean, it would have been awful if we would have lost week one against South Dakota State because, let's be honest, I think they outplayed us. I think if you go back to that game, they deserve to win that game probably more than we did, but we got very fortunate. We were at a home game, and and, and we won the game. And it was a shootout, 28-21. But, you know, since that time, the offense has really held up their end of the bargain, and the defense had not until we got to this Illinois and Nebraska games the last couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, it seemed as if our defense just turned turned it up a notch or something. I, they really got a far more aggressive, and I think because of that, it makes us look like a pretty dangerous team right now. Eight no, Pete. Bank on it. Eight no. Easy. <laughs> Come on, Rutgers. Hey, Rut- Rutgers might be the worst you. Big Ten team of all time, <laughs> dating at least to the uh, Northwestern Wildcats of your playing days. Well, I got to tell you, you're you're right there. I think you're I think you're right. They don't have a quarterback. They barely have any kind of a running game. There's no reason in the world why we shouldn't beat them unless we just absolutely shoot ourselves in the foot. I think the one game that you don't want to look past is Maryland. Maryland started off the year great. I mean, they have a great offense, new coach. They've got a. It seemed like a new attitude, but then unfortunately, the last few weeks, once they got into the real Big Ten they've sort of circled the drain as well. And I, I, I can't figure out why they're playing as poorly as they are. They started out like the team that they look like. They have a lot of athletes on that team. So if we start looking too far ahead and look past them to Penn State, we might find ourselves in a really, really bad position like we have the last couple of years. And they've run the ball on us the last few years extremely well. we got to be careful about that game. So, Pete Nigerian, when we brought Rami in, I don't know, back in January officially uh, earlier this year. <laughs> I love Rami. And he, and he <laughs> asked us. Love you too. He asked us, okay, so Vikings, <laughs> Twins, I'm a basketball guy. I love the Timber Bulls. You know, follow Derrick Rose back in the day. Not as much of a hockey guy and go for football. I don't know anything about it. Is that going to be a problem? We said, you know, we can easy in on that stuff and go for football like – <laughs> you know, they're probably they're they're going to be okay this year, but who knows? Actually, well, Judd mm-hmm. chuckled and said, "You don't have to worry about that." <laughs> yeah, guilty, <laughs> guilty, Pete. <laughs> so, so what would you what would you, Pete, say to Rami now that they're six and zero? I mean, how seriously should we take PJ Fleck and this program? Not just this year, but let's say the next two or three years. Yeah, well, I'd honestly answer that, not as a homer, but I would actually say to you guys, have, since you guys have been here, before Rami moved here, 
But have you ever seen three receivers as good as what we've got right now? No. I, I know my answer is no. Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, Autumn Bell, these guys are unbelievable. They look like the talent that you usually see at maybe a Miami or a Georgia or somewhere other than Minnesota. I mean, I look at these guys, and they look like guys who want to be playing on Sundays and probably have the talent to be playing on Sundays. Then when you look at our running game, Rodney Smith has been absolutely spectacular, Uh, not just because he had 200 yards against Illinois, because who cares against Illinois, but week after week after week, this guy puts up 100-plus yards. He looks like a man amongst boys. He looks like a running back at Ohio State where – You just feed him the ball. He's got a big offensive line. He's going to find the holes, and after he gets through those gaping holes, he's going to run over a few guys as well. He likes contact. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be pretty excited. I think this past week, actually, one of the things that stood out for me, guys, there's a couple of guys that I try to work with and mentor that want to get into the financial industry one of these days. Blaze Andrus is is an amazing kid to watch on the field. Great academically off the field, but... Keep an eye on him. They moved him over to right tackle this uh, just for this last game because Palalia was out. And I'll tell you what, uh, he plays with an aggression. If you haven't stu- watched number 77 play, he's hitting guys right at the whistle. We used to call, you know, <laughs> the end of whistle shots are always kind of fun, you know, and, it, and he's one of those kind of guys. And if you go back and watch a little bit of the Nebraska game, when we were pushing towards the end zone and, and guys are getting kind of tied up around the two or three yard line, here's a guy who'd run over to the pile and literally move the entire pile into the end zone. I love seeing guys play with that kind of an aggressiveness on the offensive side of the ball. And, and I'll tell you, I don't see enough of that oftentimes out of the gopher offensive line. And I love watching him play because he reminds me of a Ray Hitchcock or a Brian Williams or some of the guys who played in the NFL I think this kid's going to be a guy playing on Sundays as well because he really is kind of that next-level aggressive offensive lineman that I don't think we've had over the last couple of years. All right, Pete, you grew up a golfer fan. You played at the school. You <laughs> yeah. are you are a few years my senior, and I am going to turn fifty on November thirteenth. I have never I seen I have never seen mm. what I would consider to be true golfer success. So mm. honestly. How excited, as we talk to you right now, 6-0, and probably, almost certainly, unless all hell uh, breaks loose, 8-0, and how genuinely excited are, are you about the prospects of this team? On the Pete Nigerian scale of excitement, because you're a pretty fired up guy in general, Pete, so like on the scale of 10 to 20. But he's realistic, too. <laughs> uh, Pete, Pete's low energy starts and right. like shots higher. Yeah. Right, exactly. All right, Pete, I almost, I almost passed out asking the question, but now you can go ahead and answer. You know, I, I am excited about the Gophers, and I think we all should be. Now, obviously, this will be a huge disappointment if we can get to that point where we're all talking about we're 8-0 and then we go and, and lay an egg against Penn State. And let, let's hope that doesn't happen because I think every single week we have improved. Now, if we continue that and we do that against Rutgers and then follow it up against a really talented Maryland team, even though their record is terrible, they've got a lot of talent there. You know, I, I think we could shake things up. I, you know, I don't know how well we line up against a Wisconsin right now. That's the best running back in the country, and I, I think the offensive line is hugely improved from last year where they had a down year at Wisconsin. But when I look at Iowa, I think they're beatable. Uh, Wisconsin, I think, would be one of the biggest hiccups. Penn State, I'm not so sure. After watching them against Iowa this past week, I know they won the football game, 
But they were in a dogfight. And so, you know, I don't know that when I look at everything in front of us right now that these games are impossible to win. If we can steal one or two of those games, can you imagine? I mean, it it really is, I think, a possibility. Now, the defense is going to have to step up, and I think they've gotten a little bit better. But, you know, Kamal Martin has been outstanding, I think, as a, a guy who was a quarterback who's now playing linebacker. I think it's an amazing thing. I've never seen anything like that before. There's a defensive lineman, Sam Renner, that I think we all should give a little bit more credit to because here's just a local Minnesota guy who plays with he's, he, he kind of reminds me of Blake Blaze. He, he plays at a next level of aggressiveness where every play he's playing like, you know what, the last play of the game, I want to show everybody what I can do. We've got a lot of guys like that this year, and I, I have to give credit to P.J., the offense and defensive coordinators, because I think they really are improving every single week. And, and I don't think there's enough credit given to Tanner Morgan, who beginning of the season, none of us thought much of him probably as a quarterback. Every single week the guy's gotten a little bit better. He had that unreal game against Purdue, but every week he's played really well. We didn't, he didn't even have to throw the ball this past week because all we had to do is run the ball because – we put up so many yards on that Nebraska defense. I don't know what's going on in Nebraska, but they don't deserve to wear black shirts anymore down there. Until they <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's one thing we talked about yesterday. I mean, this hype about Nebraska getting back to trust the frost test and get back to the old I days. I can't like, believe that's a thing. Dude, like yeah. you can't get beat as bad as they – you can't start 0-6 last year and start hyping it this year. It's the frost test, dude. Trust it's just, the frost test. Yeah. You know, I will say this for Nebraska. Uh, you know, I had a house full of Nebraska kids. My daughter's a Nebraska Cornhusker. She worked with the football team, and I had about eight or ten of them at my house this past weekend. and They were pretty disappointed. But I will tell you this. In year one, Scott Frost really had no opportunity to really get out there and recruit because he was still coaching Central Florida, and they obviously had that undefeated season. So that year is almost a wash. So he's had one great recruiting class, and it was a really, really, I don't know if it was great, a really good recruiting class last year, but that's really his one. So I think that it will take a little bit more time because the previous couple of coaches there really let that, that program drop into the – and I thought he might turn it quicker than he has. And they, they certainly don't look very good, especially the offense and defensive line. They just aren't impressive at all, I don't think, right now. So I think it'll take a little bit of time. But he's recruited well. He, he got maybe the best player out of the state last year here in Minnesota when he, the Lakeville South offensive tackle that he got down there. That guy is a man-child who will be somebody we really wish we could have gotten to come to Minnesota, but he's down in Nebraska redshirting right now. So I think that, that there, he's... He's starting to move it, but it's a lot to move, I think, in two years. Maybe next year they're going to have a good shot. Pete, uh, you want to you tune up the band for us, Pete? Give us a little, <laughs> give us a little one, two, three, four. <laughs> That's a nervous laugh if I've ever heard one. <laughs> i got to tell you, I'm, I'm excited for them, but they, they do have a lot to prove because you look at the schedule, you know what, uh, South Dakota State, Fresno State, Georgia Southern, yeah, you know, and, the, and the, probably the weaker part of our division so far. But And we, we didn't even have the quarterback and the receiver for Purdue. But you know what, you, you line up and you play who you got to play every single week. And if we keep improving, Penn State might be uh, might be more nervous than you guys think. And I hear all the laughing, but I'll tell you what, Penn State might get pretty interesting if we're eight and zero and we we continue to improve. Yeah, 
Great stuff, Pete Dejerian, friend of the show, and uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll talk to you before that Penn State game preview. Yeah, oh, undefeated or, or after maybe. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yep. All right, we'll Pete. Take care, man. All right, man. Thanks, take Pete. care, guys. All right, great stuff, okay. friend of the show, Pete Dejerian, former greatest. Gopher, standout linebacker in the Lou Holtz era. And uh, don't yeah, you wish you could have that, that kind of energy? Like that guy is always on ten. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I see him on Twitter and like. The smile on his, like, it's ridiculous. I've never seen anybody with energy like that. Yeah, follow him on Instagram, too, because he's just, like, pumping out positivity and inspirational quotes. He's just uh, I feel like I'd be a cup sleepy. of coffee in the morning. I feel like I'd be sleepy by noon if I had that kind of energy. Like, <laughs> I would, that would be... Okay, so that's quarterback successful punishment. Rami has to bring Pete Nigerian energy to a full day. I'm exhausted right now. as well. And I just listened to him. <laughs> All right, when we come back here, Rami, you have you have set up I have a couple conversations for us when we come back. Jeff Rieger from the Ticket in Detroit is going to join us after we talk with Ryan Wood of uh, the Green Bay Press Gazette and PackersNews.com. I want to see sort of the the view from from both sides of that fiasco last night in Green Bay. And we'll do that after we talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities, Luther Brookdale Toyota and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, where right now they're it's funny cuz everybody was mocking me like 2 weeks ago and I said, "Hey, I know that fall just arrived, but winter's just around the corner. It snowed for like I eight hours on you. Friday. I was telling you basically to shut up. Yeah, I well, didn't want to hear it. Well, maybe you should hear this. Your tires might not be equipped for the wintertime. Thanks. So if you go into Luther Brookdale Toyota, you can buy any three tires for any Toyota and get the fourth one for just a dollar. Get a free battery inspection. And uh, just make sure that you've got the right tires and a battery that's not going to die on you when you've got snow up to your neck here in the Twin Cities. In like a, a good week. idea. Just want to make sure everyone is safe and sound on the roads here in your travels the next few months. You can stop in and see why my family and I have been going to the same place since the 1980s. Uh, it's just the best combination of people, vehicles, now a state-of-the-art new facility that just went up a few years ago. It's like if you took the Rays or the A's and moved them into a new stadium. See uh, all the rewards that they would Roof they would or no bring. roof on that stadium? They're retractable. There's a retractable roof. Convertible. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Retractable. Or a, there's a sunroof, actually, is what it is, just like in the RAV4. So check it out, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, Luther Brookdale, Toyota. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North download. You can join Dan Terrar, Callum Williams, Kendrick D. St. Aubin, Jamie Watson, and myself this Sunday for Minnesota United playoff action as they host the LA Galaxy in the first round of the 2019 MLS Cup playoffs from Allianz Field. Pre-game at 7 p.m. with the kickoff at 7.30 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. And with his sack of Carson Wentz this weekend, Daniil Hunter registered sack number 46 in his career. That means he has more than any player has ever generated before turning 25. And that's a pretty good start to your career. Mike Zimmer having this to say about how good Daniil Hunter can be. And somebody told me that day before the game that if he got a sack that he would do that. But, uh... I don't know. Demarcus Ware is pretty good too, uh, but but Nell's talented, uh, and he's still got a lot a lot of uh, room to grow. Uh, I think he can continue to get better and better and better. Um, but uh, he's pretty darn good. And that's your score on our download. Now back to Mackie and Judith Rami.
Thank you, Jonathan, on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. We will uh, have cram session at 5 o'clock. Jonathan has random questions and will arbitrarily hand out points based on how much he likes our answers to those random questions. But we want to get a view from Green Bay and a view from Detroit after the fiasco at Lambeau Field last night. So we'll talk with Jeff Rieger of the ticket in Detroit in a minute. But first, Ryan Wood from PackersNews.com joins us on the show. Ryan, how are you this afternoon, my friend? Doing well. Good to hear a familiar voice. How are you? Good, man. Yeah, Ryan was our uh, Packers insider at the fan down in Milwaukee when I was down there. But, uh, Ryan, I understand. I saw that you had a chance to talk with David Bakhtiari after that game last night. He was obviously involved in the two phantom hands-to-the-face calls. What was his reaction and the general reaction to those calls and really a bad night for officials in that game last night? Yeah, I asked David Bakhtiari twice, um, basically saying, Dave, I've got a lot of ticked-off Lions fans on my Twitter right now. Do they have a legitimate gripe? And he didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He kind of, you know, there's a sense that he he knew that it was certainly close and that he might have gotten away with, uh, you know, or that that, that Trey Flowers might have been penalized unnecessarily. But, uh, you know, he kind of just chalked it up to calls can go either way. And that's what, that was his answer. Calls can go either way. So certainly... He didn't say they don't have a credit. There was none of that. Um, but he stopped short of saying yes. So did, did you get, get the idea that the Packers have a good idea of uh, what type of bullet they dodge there, too? Because, you know, if it's just one call, that's fine. But it's, what, two calls? And, and then they they didn't call the uh, potential DPI. Was there a point where you sensed that LaFleur and the boys said, ooh, did we get fortunate? Oh, I think, they, I think they're very well aware. I but I, I, when I went back and I, I you know, slowed the play down, something that referee Cleet Blakeman didn't get to do because you can't slow down penalties, I thought it was pretty clear that neither was a penalty. But of the two, the first one, and they're both significant, they're both in the fourth quarter, the first one was a lot closer to a penalty than the second one. The second one, there's literally nothing there. And I think, you know, Troy Vincent today basically said as much, which, you know, the, the first one, Trey Flowers had David Bakhtiari's inside right shoulder pad, which is frankly where you're taught as a defensive lineman to to target the the, the, the tackle. Um, and then at the very end, his hand slipped up and it grazed, it brushed by, whatever you want to say. It it, it made, came in contact with David Bakhtiari's face mask. It, it did touch the face mask. On the second one, there was no touching of the face mask. So to me, and the reason why I didn't even think the first one was a penalty, uh, Fleet Blakeman's explanation after the game, a key word in that explanation was prolonged. Prolonged contact to the neck or head area. It, the first one, even though it brushed by, it was not prolonged contact. The second one, there was no contact. So, yeah, no, there's no question that, you know, that the Lions weren't robbed to win, but they were robbed a chance to win uh, unnecessarily. They should have gotten the ball back with 90 seconds to go. Yeah. Okay, Ryan, last thing for you. Uh, the your, the general vibe among Packer fans, from what you can glean on social media and uh, and other means, are Packers fans agreeing that okay, yep, yeah, that was probably uh, a, a, that was probably a lucky way to win a football game, or uh, did they see those as penalties? There are some fans in any in any fan base, including the Packers, Vikings, any fan base 
that are always going to see things go for their team, regardless of reality. And so there are some of those Packers fans. I mean, they're the Packers fans that thought that it, the unnecessary roughness call last night was a great call and the guy wasn't going for the interception of the ball at all and he was targeting Geronimo Allison. I mean, those fans, you're not going to reason with them. But I will say that there were more fans that, that did acknowledge like that this team got away with a, a pretty egregious call uh, more more fans that were like that than I can remember after really any recent game. Um, but really not even close. Now, big picture, the last time the Packers played at, at Lambeau Field, it was a Thursday night game against the Eagles, and that game came down to the wire, same end of the field. And the Packers very much felt like the Eagles kind of won that game on, on, on the, the legs of uh, a, a, a passing interference that was not called at the goal line. This time, they got the call. So it does kind of even out, but Without a doubt, I think that there's there's some logic and reality within the Packers fan base, and they, they they were pretty fortunate with some of the calls in the fourth quarter. Woody, appreciate the time. Professional and objective as always, sir. Find his work at PackersNews.com and follow him on Twitter if you like good football writing at by Ryan Wood. Thanks, Woody. We'll talk again soon, man. Take care, Rami. And now the view from Detroit. Joining us from 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit is Jeff Rieger. Rieger, I'm going to ask you the question that Mackie just asked Ryan Wood. How are Lions fans reacting to what went down last night? Well, how do you think they're reacting? Um, <laughs> I, would, I would say they're all taking it um, rather well, and nobody's yelling at the ref. No, I mean, everybody is. <laughs> I did the post-game show for like two and a half hours yesterday, and everybody's freaking out. And listen, I guess they have a right to, considering both Trey Flowers' hands-to-the-face calls were, were bad calls, and Carry on Johnson, did he catch the ball? Did he fumble the ball? That went against the Lions. I heard your last guest talk about the Tracy Walker helmet-to-helmet. That seemed like it was a bad call. There were a lot of penalties that went against the Lions. With that being said, dude, the Lions screwed themselves as well. I mean, they only were up 13 nothing. It could have been 17 or 21 nothing. They can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. They didn't take advantage of some Packer miscues, so... So I think it's kind of like the officials were awful. But the officials are awful everywhere now in the NFL. I think the Lions have nobody but themselves to blame for losing that game yesterday. Okay, Jeff, we need a post-game reaction to the post-game reaction here, okay? This is, as, as we're coining it, we have Vikings Ventline on the show. We've also adopted Packers Ventline, Bears Ventline, and thanks to your radio station, The Ticket, Lions Ventline. That was... Literally, the most blatant steal of a game by the Rasta I have ever seen. Has anybody checked on that gentleman? Because his breathing was uncontrolled throughout the duration of that call. We had an extended cut of that call we played earlier in the show, and we were all legitimately concerned for his health and well-being today. First of all, I'm impressed that you guys listened. Usually, don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part, dude. Just so you know, we 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 hunt and hope and pray for for situations like that. Devastating defeats yeah. our business. <laughs> Although I will say, if I remember correctly, that was the first call we got, and I thought that guy would. I mean, I I, I wanted him to take a couple of drinks and calm down, but, but obviously <laughs> he reacted like a lot of Lions fans. It's weird, man, because like. The Lions have been so bad for such a long time that you're always going to blame the team. At least a certain segment of the fan base is always going to blame the Lions no matter what. 
And, you know, I kind of fall into that range. But the majority of Lions fans last night were sickened. They were beside themselves. They thought they played well enough to go in the Lambeau and get a win, and they would have been in first place in the division. Now you're in last place in the division. The Packers 5-1, and one, and it's going to take a miracle for the Lions to win this thing. And all the good, fun, hope, and joy after a close loss to the Kansas City Chiefs is gone, and it's the same old Lions once again. And I'll give you one guess about who is going to pay the ultimate price for, for the sins of the referees on Sunday at Ford Field. Can you guess who that is? Are you saying the Minnesota Vikings? Absolutely. The way this league operates, <laughs> there's no question in my mind that Daniil Hunter's hand is going to slip up just a little bit too much towards the shoulder pad, <laughs> and the Vikings are going to be nailed for 15-yard penalties right and left, and the Lions are going to win the football game. That's how these guys work. Wow. You know, I saw the spread. The spread was plus one Lions. So, you know, I, I might have to go on that theory and go put a little money on the Detroit Lions to win that game. It could also go the other way, guys. It could be a dejected Lions football team that no matter if they get help with the penalties, they're still going to lose because they are the Lions. And they're just frankly not that good. Offensively, they're not that good. Matt Stafford disappeared again. Defensively, they can't stop the run. They're just not that good. They're good enough for you to wonder if they're good. But when you finally figure it out, you realize they're probably the worst team in the NFC North or maybe the second-to-last worst team in, in, behind the Chicago Bears, or in front of the Bears, I guess I should say. That is Jeff Rieger, 97-1, the ticket in Detroit. Follow him on Twitter, where you've had the same profile picture like since I met you 10 years ago, dude. You should update you know that thing. No, I changed it. It's still a beautiful picture of my wife, actually, my daughter, and my dog. I mean, it doesn't get any more... Listen, when I try to scroll on Twitter, I feel it really takes the edge off by people getting a chance to see me and my beautiful daughter and my beautiful dog. There's a lot of cuteness going on there. I mean, you're not helping, but a lot of cuteness going on there. He's at Rieger1984. Rieger, appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. See you, boy. Take care. Uh, Thanks, Rieger. Appreciate it. It's a good strategy. I'm less likely to dunk on someone on the Internet if they get a picture of their cute daughter. Oh, that doesn't stop real trolls, though. Doesn't stop Judd either. No, I don't care if it's your kid or not. That doesn't stop Eggbots. <laughs> I like the Eggbot. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop an Eggbot. They just, they're going to troll you no matter what. I feel like the Eggbot accounts always hashtag random words, too. You're an idiot and, like, idiots hashtag for no reason. Yeah. It's trending. Appreciate it. What if they get it trending? What if they get idiot trending? <laughs> Just with that totally random tweet, I feel like Rieger really embodies Lions fans. Though, like they're good. That sentence, they're good enough to wonder if they're good. They're blaming themselves. That's what, they got completely screwed, and they're blaming themselves. It's, it's our fault. Like Lions, you got screwed. End of sentence. It's okay it's to be okay. mad. Yeah, it's okay. All right, cram session. When we come back. We'll talk uh, some Vikings within cram session, and uh, Jonathan will award points arbitrarily based on who his favorite host of the show is. Mackie and Jeff with Rami. You know me at my condescending best. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. And corrupt Judge Jonathan, who awards points by literally licking his finger and sticking it into the wind in this. That's Phil Mackie who said that, Jonathan. Phil Mackie. Oh, you... 
two of you guys have a really high hill to climb today because one of the one of you guys gave me the force last week from yeah. Luke Skywalker himself. I don't so. know if you guys heard about Good this. Good luck. I tweeted a tweet, tagged Jonathan Harrison in it. Phil, we got no chance. That was liked. You really don't. By Luke Skywalker himself. Yeah. Mark Hamill. So what's the first question? Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. And then, then I sent a tweet with a screen grab of said tweet and said, I believe this means Jonathan Harrison and I have the force and Mark Hamill liked that tweet as well. Wow. Look at we you are Jedi approved. Yeah, Jedi approved. You still didn't like uh, Jonathan's candy store. I've changed my mind about that. Well, you, Great. Make, you make me a Jedi. I think that changes my opinion on you. So pie chart of blame, boys. Who's to blame for the absolute joke that is the NFL refs? This year, well, past couple years, Rami, do you uh, want to go? go ooh, I'll go since you're going to win. I'll go first. <laughs> Should Phil and I bother? Um, <laughs> probably not. Forty percent, forty percent. Roger Goodell and the NFL powers that be for just being incompetent up and down. Thirty-five uh, percent, the referees themselves for not taking the help that was offered to them because they were just too prideful to do it when the eye in the sky was proposed in the off season. So that leaves 25%, and that's going to fans of the NFL who are just expecting too damn much from human beings. They're not missing any more calls than they did in the past. We just see more of the calls that they missed because of beautiful things like TCL TVs and 80 high-definition cameras pointed at various parts of the football field over the course of a football game. Fans are just expecting too much from NFL referees at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm going to... Similar sentiment, but I'm going to... I just have two chunks of pie. The question is, who's most to blame for the referee situation, right? Mm-hmm. 90% technology. We have amazing 4K TVs. I mean, we're basically at the game in our living room. Right. And we get 19 slow motion replays. And we, we see a play slow down. And the third time, it's like, whoa, he he was grabbing the, the shoulder pad on that. How can you make that call? I don't know, because... You're watching on your TV in your living room and you saw four replays and you're not watching live speed, 270-pound machines try and run after each other. So 90% is just technology. It's just way easier for us to see bad blown calls. But 10% is the NFL and the officials' inability to react to the technology. How can you have everyone in America watching a game like that and know instantly that that's a bad call and not have a system in place to be able to instantly overturn it or offer some help, some eye-in-the-sky help, as Rami put it earlier in the show, to just say, hey, listen, like we still trust you guys. We still need the entire crew on the field policing the game, but you're not going to bat a 1,000. We've got your back on the other percentage of it. All right. I'm not going to win, but I'll go. Uh, 70% Roger Goodell and the National Football League uh, executives who are who are haughty, who are really horses behinds, who are just, they, they, they're just, ugh, yuck. Uh, 20%, so I get it up to 90. Alberto Riveron and the officials and the officiating union and the fact that this guy especially is nothing more than a complete stooge. I mean, any time that there's a controversial thing that he comes out, he explains why they got it right. No, they didn't. Mike Pereira was really, really good. And he was the first guy to be like, I quit this job. This is a stupid right. job. Blandino, way more of a stooge, but still said, I'll take the job at Fox. Yep. Riveron is the ultimate patsy. Just a com- come on, <laughs> give me a break. That's 90%. 10%. The coaches, because these are the guys 
who feel wronged and say we got to put in new rules so that uh, so that we don't get fired, so that we can win games, and so that you can see things at full speed, which they can. Again, it's a bunch of people sipping on cocktails in a boardroom in March watching replays. Well, of course you see it then, you idiots. But I start with Goodell, how he still, I, and I know that they make a ton of cash, but how he still has a job with the arrogance of these people is beyond me. Yeah. I get I, I agree with Rami here for with the refs not taking the <laughs> help. You. I mean, that was obvious you were given the opportunity, and you're the ones who turned it down. You agree when with you Rami the, if you had said, hey, it's Friday, I swear to it. Yeah, pretty much. I have the force now. So. You have the force. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's Rami, that's official. Oh, yeah, that's no, official. you kidding. <laughs> yeah, Rami's got the point here. Thank you. He, started, he started the sentence like there might be a butt on the end of it. I was going to, but, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, wait a second. What, what was the butt going to be? No, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's just not it taking is. the help. Like Let's leave you, it as you is. obviously take the help. It's it only helps your case. It only makes you look better if you take this help. It's mind-boggling. Don't question don't. the judge in his infinite wisdom. I'm not questioning the honorable I'm just, Jonathan. I'm just You're the one that ripped I'm his curious. candy store apart and then had to suck up to him by getting Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Mark like, Hamill. Luke Skywalker. Don't you forget it. Yeah. Carry on, Judge Jonathan. <laughs> Survived a terrible car crash at one time. Did he okay. really? Yes, he really. did. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. And multiple saber light fights. Yeah, but you know what? I guess I know something about Luke Skywalker. Lightsaber. Lightsaber. That Rami didn't. Well, you didn't give me the force. Uh, The Vikings now sit at four and two, while the Packers, after last night, last night's golden platter served win, are five and one. (laughs) I want your reason why the Vikings are going to win the NFC North this season. Uh, I'll start with that one. All right, because (laughs) because if you go tail the tape across the division, okay. Can you definitively say, again, and Rami might say yes on one of these, can you definitively say that the Vikings, that, that another team has a better offense than the Vikings in this division right now? I didn't say quarterback, because you could say Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback, but you could say that the totality of the Vikings offense with Dalvin Cook, with skill position players, with the improvement of the offensive line, all of those things and what we've seen the last two weeks, you could say that there is no better offense in the NFC North than the Minnesota Vikings. Just like you could say... There is no better defense. And I, I get that the Bears are the obvious team that you would... Well, I mean, the Bears are better. But I think even if there is a gap between the Bears and the Vikings, it ain't that much of a gap. They're both top five NFL defenses right now, uh, both in that same mix. So, like, my logic is if you could argue they have the best offense and you could argue they have the best defense and they're in a position right now, two games above 500, um, they should be able to win the division. That's my argument. All right, I'll go next. First of all, it's defense. The Vikings' defense is really, really good. And and it's become, we probably have not discussed it enough in recent weeks because we've been talking so much about Cousins and the offense and Diggs is not happy and blah, blah, blah. But in one month, if the Vikings are doing fine, which they might be, if the Vikings are, are are winning and they're atop the division, we're going to be talking about the fact that uh, Hunter and Griffin and Kendricks, who's been playing great, this team is built around defense. Secondly, it will be because the offense is good enough. That does not mean it's dynamic. It doesn't, it shouldn't need to be. It should score 20 points a game, okay? If you score 20 points, if you'd scored 17 points against Chicago, guess what? You win the game. And then Diggs doesn't go AWOL and it's fine. So if that's, if, if this thing comes back to the Vikings are the best team and win this division, it's going to be because 1A and 1B are the defense has played great, and the offense, just shut up and do your job. <laughs> Honest to God, just shut up. If the Vikings win the NFC North, it will be because they might just be 
Similar to what Phil said, but better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The most complete team in the NFC North. The Bears, I think, are a slightly better defense. But I think the Vikings have a better offense than the Bears at this point. The Packers might be a slightly better offense just because you have 12 under center. But the Vikings probably still have a better defense than the Packers. They are, And you look at the playmakers around the field. The Vikings may be the most complete team in the division. And I gave you the fourth. <laughs> well, I mean, that's really hard to argue against. Uh, yes, they, they are, by all standards, the most complete team in the NFC North. Viking, or Judd, I do agree with you that defense is really good, that it's, it's the best in the division. It's better than the Bears, I think. And looking down at or looking through the rest of the schedule, you have the rest of the NFC North games after this weekend against the Lions. You have them at home three of the last four weeks of the season. I think that's a huge get for the Vikings, but Rami's going to get the point here. Thank you. I told you we should have been bothered. Solid day in cram session. So, right, Rami's, Rami's up already got the win. Here. Hold on a second. At do a your Harrison choice. Ford. <laughs> 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 is he on Twitter? I don't think so. Actually, the the original tweet that I quote tweeted from Mark Hamill was yeah. Harrison Ford for some reason in a hot dog costume hmm. and said nobody can pull off a hot dog costume with the dignity of Harrison Ford. And I tweeted the gif Wrong. of Jonathan at the state fair in the corn dog costume and said, don't sell my guy Jonathan Harrison short. That's the tweet that got liked and got us to force. Have you guys ever heard the audio clip of Harrison Ford trying to figure out what his Twitter login is? <laughs> no. no they, 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 switched, they switched the handles. They, they, switched, they switched the handles. What? <laughs> Was that just an excuse for you to do your Harrison Ford impression? Yes, well, yes, right. It sounded like Richard Nixon. <laughs> I won't have him. That was more Nixon. Do that same voice and say, I won't have Nixon to kick around anymore. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. That's actually pretty good Nixon. You might not know it, but it's pretty doggone good. All right, so this one's a your choice. There's only two oh, winless teams left one. in the NFL. The Bengals and the Dolphins. You get to choose either organization as your future job. You're the head coach, but you have to make the playoffs next season. Otherwise, things won't end for you well. <laughs> Which job are you choosing and why? Rami, do you care to uh, complete the hat trick? <laughs> I, I mean, it's a fait complete. Uh, probably the Dolphins. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Way to go, Rami. Rami gets the point. My answer. The probably the Dolphins. Do you want me to go next? That's it. No, so I'll, 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 go next. I'll go next. I'll go next. It's one hundred percent the Dolphins, and you're just hoping that Tom Brady finally retires. Or becomes a Dolphin. Or, well, I mean, that is your only hope right now. Like physically, it becomes a Dolphin. <laughs> Would that not be awesome? <laughs> He's transformed so. Do much. I go next? He's transformed so much physically throughout As his Phil career. Said, but better. Here's what I gotta say. Um. <laughs> it's the Dolphins, and here's why, though. Because I got Tua. I'm going to be the worst team. I got Tua. I start with Tua. I make a couple trades. I get my defense okay. I can actually be pretty good pretty quickly. Cincinnati's going to get, what, the second pick? There, there's no way the Dolphins... They play in December, right? Mm-hmm. There is no way on God's green earth that the Dolphins are not going to basically roll over. Wait, the Bengals and the Dolphins yes. play each other in December? Oh, oh man. my God. I'm have so we, excited. Have we ever had a winless matchup that late in the season before? No. This could be. I'm sure there hasn't been ever. Because they're literally playing. Hold on, find it. They're both playing to it's avoid a win. It's the second to last week of the season yes. that they play. Oh, in Miami. Oh, that's delicious. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. 
This is a viewing party with like the franchise quarterback on the line <laughs> yep. for whoever with two on the line. And, you, the game. and do you really think the Miami Dolphins are going to be like? But you know, you know but you have Trevor Lawrence next year. Boy, I'd like them. Both. Do you win that just so you don't have to pick Tua, and then you can just get Trevor next year, so you can be crappy for two seasons in a row? Yeah, but you can't. Are you guaranteed to be that crappy again the next season? Like well, it's yeah. easy. Just dump your. Dump the good players from this season. I guess they already did that. Good <laughs> they players. did that at the beginning of the yeah, year. Yeah, but then well, I, I the last time that. I remember a game like this happening was uh, Packers and Colts. <laughs> yes. And loser when uh, I don't remember the exact year, but loser was going to get the first pick in Tony Mandrich. Oh yeah, and the Cowboys had to settle for Troy Aikman. Yeah, <laughs> eighty eighty nine. That's right. <laughs> By the way, I love like I love how you have to go back thirty years to the last time the Packers were privileged and like the Packers were battling for the Tony Mandrich and all of the all those steroids and back acne that came along with him. By the way, Tony Mandrich now really good photographer. Yeah, wasn't there an ESPN special about I this? I think so. Yeah. And skinny? Really, really good photographer. No, still pretty jacked up. Okay. Still pretty jacked up, dude. Hmm. Boy, was uh, he bad. Just throwing weights and taking pics, man. <laughs> <laughs> Story of Rami's life. All right, Judge. <laughs> who gets the third point? Do we really have to ask this? <laughs> no. This Rami. was... This was rigged from the beginning. This was the most corrupt. <laughs> this is like this is like FIFA choosing the World Cup host. It's rigged. This one probably takes the cake for the most rigged grand session that we've had. Yet. I hope you're proud, Rami. I hope you're real proud. Out of the gates. I mean, I kind of am. Yeah. Uh, what's happening? Are you guys watching the score here? What's happening between still two nothing uh, Yankees and Astros? Series tied at one. I don't know. I have my back to the TCL TV, but apparently there was a 17 minute delay for some reason. Something having to do with umpires. I really don't know what it was. I just saw people tweeting about Did it a minute a ago. I don't know. No, uh, it wasn't arguing with umpires. One of the umpires had to go back to the, the umpire clubhouse. Oh, we've all been there reason. 17 minutes? That's about <laughs> That is about right. Hopefully the light timer's not 12 minutes in those umpires' bathrooms. <laughs> what, did you take a newspaper? It is here. <laughs> yeah, you can't take a 17 phone. minutes? By the way, it's 2 nothing Astros over the Yankees right now. Garrett Cole uh, is shoving, but... That, I'm sure that that would be one of my biggest paranoias and fears as a home plate umpire, especially because, like, you're going to be out there, especially now for probably three and a half or four hours, and if nature calls, you're in trouble, man. That's why it pays to be regular. <laughs> just eat. It pays to be regular. Just eat breakfast and don't eat after that. You're fine. Yeah, but if there's a night game, if you're if you're umping a game at seven o'clock at night, you're and saying if, you're going to eat breakfast and then not okay, eat again until like eleven o'clock. What if Mackie has then spicy salsa in his breakfast well, then burrito? He, then that's that's a him problem. <laughs> I'm on the clock. There's six umpires. Just replace the guy. Because you got the two guys what, down the line. What if he was on the can tweeting about the delay in the ALCS game? <laughs> <laughs> you, Boy, you, you wouldn't like that because he'd be tweeting. He'd take the phone in. Rami would be like, "I can't work with this guy. I can't. It's really gross. You really shouldn't take your phone in the bathroom. Amazing. Uh, I recently ran out of my uh, stockpile of Chicago Tribune sports sections and just staring at the wall, man. Why don't just, you just by the Star Tribune, staring at the wall. Isn't there just like an electronic it. handheld solitaire game or something that you can just? Just leave in the bathroom. Could just be your thing. That might be. That's not a terrible idea. I Frogger. Try, Frogger. I should, couldn't you just get like a burner phone that just has like Twitter <laughs> on it, and you just leave it in the bathroom, and it's your bathroom phone? I'm sorry. <laughs> that's probably the that's best. got a lot of different interpretations when you say burner phone. <laughs> not that's, a terrible idea. That's probably the best idea anybody's ever given to me when having this conversation about how gross. I mean, it that is way, to- you can still scroll the internet and Twitter, and you still have your phone. 
It's not a bad idea. I think I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami with paranoid to go to <laughs> road game bathrooms, as he calls yeah. it. Rami. Turn around on the all new Score North and the Score North app from the TCL studios. All right, welcome back. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North and the Score North app here in the TCL studios. And we've got. On this 55-inch TCL uh, Roku TV, we've got Houston and New York. Astros up 2-0 right now. Garrett Cole at 80 pitches with two outs in the bottom of the fifth inning. So here's my question to you guys. As you think about the Minnesota Twins and pitchers they might be able to add, or uh, whether it's free agents or trades, does it give you any hope? I'm looking at Garrett Cole before he got to the Astros, and then I'll even throw Justin Verlander in this mix too. Justin Verlander before he got to the Astros. So uh, Justin Verlander with Detroit had ERAs of th- uh, 4.54, 338, had a good year in 2016, 304, uh, 3.36 ERA, 3.82 ERA. Then he goes to Houston at age 34, and he goes from like kind of a mid-three ERA guy in the second half of his career, and all of a sudden he's unhittable. He has a 1.06 ERA in his uh, the end of the regular season with Houston in 2017. In the last two years, he has been the old Justin Verlander again. Highest strikeout rates of his career, lowest walk rates of his career, some of the best ERAs of his career. In fact, I think the two best ERAs of his career, the last two years with Houston. Garrett Cole goes from Pittsburgh, where he was pretty good. Like He was, he was fine. Um, he had a 350 ERA in five years with Pittsburgh, including 388 and 426 in the last couple of years. He was just like, he could throw hard and he was pretty good, pretty good, like number two starting pitcher. Then he gets to Houston the last two years. Career best ERAs, lead the league in ERA this year, and has a 14 strikeouts per nine rate, which I believe is the best in Major League history for a starting pitcher. These guys turn into monsters when they go from an organization that's kind of behind Pittsburgh um, and and Detroit to a progressive, pitcher-friendly organization. I'm not putting the Twins on the Houston level because Houston's been building this for like five or six years, but does it give you hope or um, or give you an optimistic view of the Twins' offseason? If they can, let's say they go out and get a Madison Bumgarner, a guy who's just been, he's been okay the last couple of years in San Francisco, some injuries and stuff, but... I think the Twins can sort of do the same thing that Houston's done with some of these pitchers by just getting them into their ecosystem. I don't know about doing it to that level because that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, they just keep finding pitchers and turning them into superstars one after the other. But, I mean, we've already started to see it to a degree, haven't we? Jake Odorizzi wasn't this guy before he got to Minnesota. Martin Perez, I mean, it didn't turn out as good as it looked, but even when you take his season as a whole compared to his resume of, of past seasons, drastic improvement for Martin Perez. I think if you get guys who are even more talented than those two and get them in Wes Johnson's hands, again, I don't know that they're doing it to the degree that the Houston Astros are because I don't know that any team is going to be able to pull that off. But, yeah, I think I think the Twins have already started to get a little bit more out of pitchers than what they were getting from previous spots. Interesting thought process. Uh, and, and I came across this at MLB.com today. But off that question, let me ask you guys this. Chris Archer in Pittsburgh, disappointment. Ooh. In Tampa, nice pitcher, right? He's got he's got a a nine million dollar, I believe it's team option with the Pirates, that can be bought out for one point eight. 
if he is bought out, which it's Pittsburgh, he might be. Like most teams, I'd be like, no way. It's Pittsburgh. They're weird. Would what you just said, Phil, apply to Archer coming here? And if you get him even slightly back on track, he becomes pretty damn good again. How old is he? Do you have it in front of you? 30. Oh, I can't even read it because I don't have my glasses on. 31. Okay. And that's so he's not an old man. No, and the and the fact that you're seeing Justin Verlander, you're seeing some of these and Grinky's been really good into his mid thirties too. I would really I would consider that because he's he is a top end arm, and he just and there's always been kind of a gap with Chris Archer between how good he should be and how good his numbers are, and I'd be looking for guys like that because I just the twins. I'm sorry when Garrett Cole is having one of the greatest seasons in the history of starting pitching. He's going to be thirty-five plus million dollars a year. I know that the market's been weird the last couple of years, but you're just you're not going to sign Garrett Cole over Yankees, Dodgers. Like you're just you're not. So I think whether it's Chris Archer or somebody else, I think what Judge just said is along the right path of where you should be thinking this offseason. Can you buy a little bit low on a top end arm, Chris Archer, Madison Bumgarner? There's guys out there. I mean, Cole Hamels is like 36 now, so I don't know if I'd put him in that same category at that age. And I don't know that there is necessarily a lot left to get in the tank out of out of Cole Hamels. They turned him around a little bit from when he came from Philly to Chicago, or I mean from Texas to Chicago, but I think they probably tapped that for as, as much as, as there was there. Yeah. Archer intrigues me, though. That that's the type of guy because he goes to Pittsburgh. Expectations are huge. They're not a great club. They fall back. He falls back. But I, I think if you put him in the right environment, and, and if he can be, I don't want to say an ace, but if he but if he can be near the top of your rotation, it'd be an interesting experiment. And if you if you don't have to. Let's, if the Pirates get rid of him and you're not giving up prospects, you're giving up money. And the money Correct. the money we're talking about here, just based on where Archer's been at the last couple of years stat-wise, you're not going to pay a super premium dollar on him. So that's a that's an interesting one. But they're not, really, they're not that far away from, I don't, they're not going to have a Houston-like rotation, but I think we can pencil in Jose Barrios for another really good season. Mm-hmm. Jacob Arizzi makes you feel good about, I, I, I would put him in that number three starter category on a team that aspires to win the World Series. And so, who's that number two guy? I would lean more toward Bumgarner. I just think if, if, there's, if there's gas in that tank and you can buy a little bit low on him, he's a free agent, so you're gonna have to pay something for him. But can you pay like eighteen or twenty for sure, him? boys? Or or would, would right you try now he is. and bump him down to the two spot and sign a guy who who is is not you know not superior to Brios, but slightly more experienced and. and might be slotted just above Jose Brios. If you can get Madison Bumgarner and you think there's an extra couple levels there that the Giants just were incapable of tapping into because their organization's been too old school and they just haven't been able to connect with Bumgarner like maybe other teams would. Mm-hmm. It's just run its course. If you think there's another couple levels to get Madison Bumgarner closer to where he was before, he's your number one starter next year. If you if you were to bring him on. And you'd go you surpass go, Barrios? Rejuvenated Bumgarner, Jose Barrios and Jake Odorizzi, and then whatever else you want to fill out, whether it's Gratterall. I mean, think about that. And now all of a sudden, if Gratterall's in your rotation, and he's your number four starter, maybe you just put Devin Smelter in the five spot because he costs $500,000. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. like, that's that's the path that they should be exploring. Who's who's the one guy that, it's not a Martin Perez where, all right, we're going to take this guy who used to be crappy and almost out of baseball, and we're going to make him a number five starter. No, no, no. We're going to make him passable as a major league pitcher. That was was fun this year. It was great. 
who's someone that has number one upside or was a number one before and you can just breathe some life into their career and get them back on that level, even if it costs you fifteen or twenty million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's the I mean Chris Archer's one that we had conversations about him three years ago First on the show. Know. Yeah. And I don't know if the twins would have been in a position because I think that was still Terry Ryan regime. Or maybe no, that was the wild card year. That was that was a couple years ago. But yeah, if if any organization besides the Astros is in a place to breathe some life into a guy like that, it might be the twins. Be kind of fun. So, I mean, yeah, getting good pitching would be fun. Yeah, <laughs> it would help. It would help. It'd I would love. I would love Brios to to slide down to the two, just to take off that pressure, just a little bit, at least for now. In a year from now, twenty twenty one, twenty two, perhaps he he jumps right back up. But after what we saw this year, I would love to be in a position to say, okay, you're still a very important part of this rotation. Make no mistake about that. But Mad Bomb or a guy like that's going to slot above you slightly for now and take that that pressure off because it does. It did seem like there were times that this year the pressure got to him. You know, and I don't. And I still like his stuff. I just think it got to him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I don't think the Yankees game in Game One. I don't think was. I don't think that was one of those. I agree games. with that. I think he was but, pretty good in that game. But and there were different like, times. It just didn't work out, and he could have gone five in that game. Yes, he could have gone five. By the way, you mentioned the Dodgers as potential suitors for Garrett Cole. That's the one team that it it just pisses me off that they're even going to try to sign Garrett Cole. They won't get him. Angels are going to get him. I mean, okay, but what are the Dodgers even I mean, like what do you what what are they going to do with Garrett Cole? They have 6 7 starters already who yeah, are Well, one of them one of them can't get it out in the postseason. They're not winning so. World Series. Exactly. So, so who cares? Right. You're going to waste more money to not win a World Series in Los Angeles? <laughs> I bet you Garrett Cole is either a Angel or a Padre. The Padres would be... The Padres are so weird. They've spent so much money on free agents, but their and they're farms, just bad all the time. But their farm system now is really good. They've got, like, they've got to pop up at some point in time. Very, very soon. What a weird team, though. Oh, yeah. They just like There's been a couple of years where they've just gone bonkers at the winter meetings. Well, that was like five years back when they signed. What did they get? Camp? They got like four guys. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, so Chris Archer went three and nine with a five point one nine yeah, ERA last year. That's God. That's what I'm saying. And I don't, Jeez, I don't look at that and get, oh, I'm scared of that. I look at that and say, who's gonna, who's gonna be the low. one that fixes him? Yes, yeah. buy low on that guy. He's not a free agent though, is he? That would be a trade. Team, it, well, team it, option. It's a team option. So his contract runs through 2021 if a team wants it to. So he's got two more years left on, on the deal. Um, $9 million team option next year with a $1.75 million buyout, and then $11 million team option 2021 with a $250,000 buyout. And even with that, you could probably trade for him and get those two team option years mm-hmm. and not have to give up one of your top five prospects. And I don't think it would cost a lot. I'm just saying it's tempting. It is very tempting. I like where you're going with this. Thank you very much. I give By this way, stuff a lot of thought. Chris Archer I have signed a, a terrible contract. Yeah, he did. He signed like a yes, seven-year contract when he was with the Rays. Yeah, didn't he like sell out some of his arbitration years? Wasn't it one of those yeah. early extensions? Yeah, yeah, but n- at not a good price. That's the weird thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, he's going to be able to get how, dinner wherever he wants tonight. How do the but, Rays trade him? Which at the time seemed crazy. The Rays trade him and end up not just getting a good deal from Pittsburgh. They annihilate Pittsburgh. Um. Who'd they get in the trade? They got uh, Glasnow, I believe. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Austin did, Meadows. And then Austin right. Meadows, yes, who's a phenomenal player. Yeah. 
Uh, the Pirates were on the rise at one point, but they're, they kind of changed. Yeah, but how, how do the Rays do this? Because they're the smartest organization. I, mean, I know. Like, seriously. Like, if they play in a crappy ballpark, you would think that, for the most part, nobody cares about them. Yeah. They, uh, they are... They lost Friedman. What, what makes me so mad about baseball and sometimes fans, they look at the A's and the Rays and like, whoa, whoa Moneyball, what's that ever won you? Never won a World Series. Dude, <laughs> like They're winning 100 games with $50 million payrolls in a league where teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Dodgers are pushing 200-plus million dollar payrolls. And these guys are winning the same amount of games. Mm-hmm. And they're just... They're just reloading every year with great young players and finding new ways to take. And, and Billy Bean is the first to admit that his his uh, his way of doing things doesn't bleeping work. That's a quote in the postseason. And not that there is a system that does work. When he says that, his point is just that you have a 162-game sample size to, to try and predict what your guys and other teams are going to do. So you, there's a pretty, you get a pretty good idea when you're studying a sample size that large. MLB postseason, the sample size is so small that there is almost no formula, no money ball formula that you can plug in that's that's necessarily going to work or give you a that much greater a chance than the teams that you're playing against. Well, there is. It's called Garrett Cole. That helps. That's actually, that the, helps. That's the formula. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap with Royce. You guys seen the forecast for the Bronx tomorrow for that stadium that they I, just built? 10 I think years it's going to. I think it's going to rain. Oh, it's going to rain all night, guys. Well, that's okay. All night. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Baseball. Then if you play outside. More free baseball later on in the weekend. Exactly It'll be right. great. Cool. It'll be a lot of fun. Great. It will be cool. It's fall. It's going to be cold <laughs> and rainy. Yeah. yeah it happens. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Sing Speak, along, Rami. Speaking of the Yankees, we're watching the Yankees and the Astros. Let's put on a roof. Start spreading the news. <laughs> Rami's cheating with Jonathan today. Cram session was a complete farce. Here's today. the good news. If there is a rain delay and you've got a TCL TV, you can watch anything. you got 5,000-plus streaming channels. It'll be great. You Problem can watch uh, Hulu, YouTube. I mean, you can watch anything you want, pretty much. 500,000-plus TV shows and movies. It's the best combination of connected options for entertainment and picture quality and sound quality. And now with the TCL Alto Soundbar, you also have uh, just the complete experience for an entertainment uh, setup in your living room or wherever you want to put these TVs and soundbars. TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand. And there's a lot of reasons why you can find out about TCL TVs at TCLUSA.com or go to any major local retailer here in the Twin Cities and just look at one for yourself. Mackie and Jeb with Rami from the TCL Studios. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North Download brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Minnesota United opens up the MLS Cup playoffs this Sunday at Allianz Field against the LA Galaxy and Score North. We're looking to send you to the game. Just have the Score North mobile app be registered and you can enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to this Sunday's game. And don't forget, you can hear that game on Sunday right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app with the pregame beginning at 7 p.m. And we discussed the officiating issues that gifted the Packers a win last night. We discussed it in detail on Purple Daily and then on Ventline and then on SNL and then on MJR. All of that today, we've discussed it all day today. What are your thoughts, Vikings fans, on how to fix the official officiating issues in the NFL? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. TCL Broadcast Studios. Time to wrap with our guy, Royce. All right, Patrick, your thoughts on the state of officiating in the National Football League after the Lions got thoroughly screwed yesterday? 
I'm, I'm more worried about the state of clothes changing, equipment changing for major league umpires. Kerwin Danley ain't going <laughs> to join the quick change group at halftime after the uh, when he uh, retires from the. And I looked him up. David and Dania are the quick change artists that appear at halftime all the time. Yeah, they ought to give this guy some instructions. Put on your jock strap and move here, God Almighty! <laughs> Seventeen minutes. Yeah, you, know, you okay? What they do? I'm worried about you. So he couldn't find it or something. I mean, God, don't you remember at Fenway Park during the Twins Red Sox game? I want to say something happened and Angel Hernandez disappeared and he didn't come back for like ten minutes and nobody could figure out what was going on. Yeah, I don't know. Unbelievable. The state of officiating—it's simple. Unless you're sure, don't throw the flag. These guys err on the side of throwing the flag instead of err on the side of not throwing the flag. And when you've thrown it once, it, it's almost like he threw it a second time to prove he was correct the first time. Didn't, don't you think that? that? So somebody would say, well, so somebody couldn't say, well, it was the same play the second time and he didn't call a penalty. I, it, was, uh, it was asinine. And then I see the lying NFL comes out and says that the first penalty, which, by the way, was much more serious to the Lions' chances than the second penalty, uh, was a legitimate penalty, which is BS. Neither of them was a penalty. Nobody got a hand and a face. And this idea, you can if you prolong... If you put it for a prolonged period on your shoulder, well, you're trying to shed the guy. What the hell's wrong with that? I don't get it. Yeah, it was a glancing blow at best to the face mask on on the first one that they called, Pat. I propose now, now they're saying it was uh, absolutely legitimate, which is absolutely horse crap. Yeah, that's the NFL yeah. cover, and they're behind. Yes, I proposed, yes. and the NFL proposed to the referees this offseason, and they, they rejected this help. An eye in the sky, a referee, a fifth official who can, on, on calls like that that are egregious and easily and quickly correctable, could could call down to the field and say, "Hey guys, you missed one. Would you be in favor of that? I know you hate the robot umpire. Would you be in favor of that, though?" Yeah, I guess so. I mean, since the game's been ruined anyway by uh, the, all this silliness, that the uh, I, I just think, but a better solution is less aggressive officiating. Don't call so many penalties. Come out there and just say, "Well, you know, that might have been a penalty, but no, I'm not going to call it." Uh, it's uh, it, they they. I, I actually read some quotes that the, these guys that have saying, well, uh, you know, if, now that we have this uh, replay review on pass interference and stuff, I can I can now call it, uh, you know, not call it and or call it whatever, and uh, they're going to decide it on replay, and that's nonsense. Don't throw the flag unless you have to. Uh, you know, it's, I think sometimes it's easy here in Minnesota too to think that the Packers just get the benefit of calls, right? It's sort of the Homer way to look at things. But this stat came out from NFLPenalties.com. Pat Green Bay leads the NFL in beneficiary yards this season, which is when a team's opponent is called for a penalty. The Packers have accrued 501 yards through penalties. Detroit, on the other hand, is dead last with 234 yards accrued through penalties. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, they actually the Lions, uh, they look like they're fairly good defensively. Uh, Patricia's got some uh, concepts that seem to be working. And, uh, you know, the Packers didn't do diddly. It was brutal last night. I mean, the, the Viking fans can still whine about the Delvin Cook call, but there was nothing com- nothing compared to this. This was, the, and as I say, the first one, that's the game. 
they sack him. They're, you know, it's over. They got a punt. And uh, then you give him on a cheap uh, penalty like that. Why doesn't the referee go over and tell his guy, on his, are you sure about this, pal? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, they can talk about him if the referees yeah. isn't, uh, you know, it's funny how John, they got John Perry is now whatever network I was watching last night, ESPN. He's their guy, and boy, they have a hard time admitting they blew one, don't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it pained him. Yes, it did. It pained him. Because he was looking was going nuts. again and see if we can see something. Well, I guess not. But it was brutal that uh, that they would call a second one there. But as I said, the, the first one was worse. So I, I don't know what what can you do. It's a very difficult game to officiate, but you got to have a stand. You should not apply the new standard to the league. Should not be call more penalties, call more holding. That's that's the dumbest thing you can sell. Tell people right, call more penalties. Let yep. let's slow this game. I was watching Jets Cowboys. The other, now I wasn't fully attentive. Okay, <laughs> but I think in seven plays there were six flags. Yeah, and they oh, yeah. and they called. I was telling Judd this yesterday, Phil and and Rami. They called three straight pass interference of some form on the on the uh, on the Jets. And if I was the Cowboys, I would have had all five of my offensive linemen stand up and cross their arms and not try to do anything because you knew damn well they were going to call a holding, which they did. Yeah, you know, right then, boom. So. I don't know what you do with it, but it's it's made the game hard to watch. Yeah, and get and so guess who did put Detroit plays on Sunday? And you know what's going to happen, Patrick? You know what's going to happen? Some godforsaken bad call is going against uh, the Lions opponent on Sunday, and Sid can lead his column with it because we're about we're to get screwed. Up. We're going to even it up. Uh, yep. You think so? I don't know. I miss Sid when he. I don't go to. I don't go to uh, the old games, but I miss Sid when he was rambunctious and screaming at the officiating uh, supervisors and chasing guys off the field. And Gopher like football that. is that still great. great. Gopher oh, yeah, football. Right, that, These guys Roy are terrible. Poor, poor Roy Tutt was uh, uh, the recreation guy at the U, and the he wasn't a supervisor, but he was the assessor. And uh, he sat there in the Metrodome up in that lovely seat in front of the one toilet in the press box. And if Sid hadn't charged up there and screamed at him by the middle of the second quarter, there was something wrong, man. It was great. <laughs> uh, Pat, what do you think of our theory that we just cooked up earlier this hour? We're, we're watching Garrett Cole just shove it down the Yankees' throats here today. Well, the not exactly. Well, they, 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 well they, have, they haven't scored a run yet off of him. He's no, walked they five. haven't scored a run, but yeah. But um, the Twins aren't going to sign Garrett Cole. He's going to cost a lot of money and go somewhere else. But no. Madison Bumgarner or Chris Archer as by-low candidates? I think Archer maybe, but I don't know. He's he's not nearly as good as people think he is. He's certainly not as good as the the the, uh, the bounty that the Pirates gave up for him, which was ridiculous. Uh, but Bumgardner, you know, he's what five years younger than Bumgardner? Is he? You know, maybe. I actually, they're both. The, actually, they're about the same. Archer's age. older. Really? Archer's older. Archer's a year older. Yeah. You're kidding me. How old is no. Bumgardner? Uh, twenty nine going to be thirty. Oh, that's 30. right. He broke in when he was like twenty, so yeah. uh, he was a kid. I don't know. I guess in that case, I'd take Bumgarner because he's left handed and he's got uh, 
He's, uh, he's, he's more likely to make you want to break into a Sam Cassell dance after an inning's over than, uh, than Archer is. I, I think Archer gets the least out of his ability and, uh, Bumgarner gets the most. So I guess, I guess maybe I'd go that way. I just thought Archer was three, four years younger than him. So yeah. how about Zach Wheeler? Let's go second. Let's go the number two big time here. Zach Wheeler, you're in on? He's number two on the, you know, he's probably going to be the second most expensive. He might get, Five years, a hundred mil with an out. You know he's pretty good. He's already had his uh, Tommy John, I believe, so that's good. Yeah. Do you think that so this this Eddie Rosario buzz that uh, because if the Twins are going to trade a position player, do you think the Twins are going to consider trading Eddie Rosario? Yes, but you'd be very disappointed at what you're going to receive in return. Yeah. For a position player, you're not going. It's not going to be a, like a big bounty that everybody thinks it's going to be. You uh, you would get a number three starting pitcher maybe if you're lucky probably a four yeah. you know I I don't think you'd uh, I I don't think uh, the market for good position players is not what it should be it's uh, you're not going to get nearly as much as you thought you know what's Eddie you got to pay Eddie what after next year yes or is it two years it might be two years. Might be two years, but you gotta, you know, you're gonna have to pay him over ten now, right? Yeah. And uh, and then, uh, you know, I don't know. It depends upon. I'd have to look it up. Depends upon how soon they got us. If if you can sell a trade him, and he's got two years left, you might be able to get something. But you're not gonna get what you think they're gonna get. The idea that they're gonna get a big time pitcher, I don't believe. Yeah. At all, not free agency or trade. Am I wrong? No, I think I think for for Rosario, I think you're right. It's a number three. It's going to be disappointing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, people are going to expect this fantastic uh, no. take, and Eddie didn't. Eddie had the worst 109 RBI year I've ever seen. <laughs> the quality of his bats, time and again, where he got his command of the strike zone, and I don't know if this is true statistically, just looking at him, was much worse this year than it was last year. He had more. Mm-hmm. He swung at more strikes last year than he did this year. He got really crazy uh, and chasing pitches out of the box, out of the strike zone. If you ask me, I think I, I think he was in a state of semi panic all season because he didn't get paid last spring. Hmm. Team control just, through 2022. Okay, so three more free, years. Free agent oh, really? in 23. Oh, wow. Arbitration through 2022. Okay, well he's going to get pricey. He, you know, I don't know who's. I'm, I'm not sure. You'd get something for him, but I don't think you'd get what you think you're, you're going to get. Yeah. All right, Pat. So. Well, we've got uh, Unchained coming up and then NLCS Game 4 afterwards. Uh, second up? time around, though, I'd give him Buxton for Syndergaard, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Defensive yeah. Player yeah. of the Year again. Come on. Diamond yes. Awards. Well, that was stupid. He didn't play enough. I he would agree. He for not playing. So. Yeah. All right. Somebody All right, voted for him. Yeah. See you guys. All right. Um, Nelson Cruz, MVP. Yeah, the Diamond Awards. Yes, the Diamond Awards are out. That uh, is it, Nick Anderson, the guy who struck out 110 yes. in like 55 minutes or whatever it was. And the Twins had him at one point, and then he ended up with the Marlins, and then the Marlins traded him to the Rice. See, like this is the, this is what's happening in baseball now, and it's it happened with Ryan Presley, it happened with Tyler Duffy. You can take guys who aren't the guy with the A's who used to be uh, with the Twins. Throwing like a hundred miles Liam an hour. Hendricks. Liam Hendricks. That's right. Yeah, I'm yeah. still don't believe what I see when I see what I see them. Like these dudes. That's a weird one. Just come through these pipelines throwing 105 miles an hour. Apparently, what's up on Unchained here next, Judd? 
Oh, a lot of Vikings talk. A lot of Vikings talk. We, we get into uh, some uh, baseball talk as well. And at the very end, some Wolves and Wild discussion on two Wolbegon franchises. Nice. And then after that, we'll see if Rami's Cardinals can mount a big comeback Go against Washington Yachty. Nationals. Go Yachty Molina. Oh, man. <laughs> I hope. I just wish for bad things for the Cardinals. Mackie and Jeff and Rami. Bad things. Three inches at a time. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.